0: Welcome to the DrDavidMarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr David Marlin and along with a great team of experts I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts we will discuss science-led research, technology, information and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses go to our website www.drdavidmarlin.com and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.
3: Well, hello everybody and welcome to this webinar for the Dr. David Marlin members. I'm really excited to have Lorna Cameron here to join me. Now she's um presented for us before, but today she's coming in to talk about a, a different topic and it's to fit in with our women in equestrian theme. So Lorna, thank you for coming along. Thanks very much. Uh, lovely to be back uh, talking about other aspects of um of,
1: of female equestrianism that we're involved in research. In. So today I'm going to be talking about body image, and this is work that's been done in conjunction with, well, led by uh, University Centre Sports myself at Hartbury, University of Portsmouth, and then also the British Course Foundation. So a really nice collaborative piece of work.
3: Ah, cool. It's going to be really interesting. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn off my camera and leave everybody with Lorna and then I'll pop back in at the end. But actually, Lorna, don't forget to introduce yourself before you start to tell everybody a little bit more about you. Okay, OK, I will catch you at the end.
1: Thank you very much, Gillian. So hello, everybody. My name is Lorna Cameron um, and I have a real research interest in the in the female equestrian. Um particularly got interested in the female equestrian after starting some breast health research. Um, My background is as a coach and and competition groom, so I've been involved with riders and horses for for many a long year. Uh, I'm now a senior lecturer at Hartbury University. Uh, I previously haven't worked at University Centre Sports And today Gillian's asked me to come along and talk about some of our work that we've done in body image in female equestrians. Um, Previously we've done quite a lot of research into breast health and breast health issues and breast support issues in female riders and at the end of this uh, webinar I'll talk to you a little bit about some of the other exciting um, research areas that are ongoing. We're hoping to build a research profile almost of the female equestrian from the start of their career all the way onto the well, not the end of their career, but the later life career as well. So today I'm going to talk to you about body image in in female equestrians. And I'm going to uh, hopefully be asking some questions that might make you think. And we certainly don't have all the answers. So this isn't a webinar when I can say, do this, press that, do the next thing and it'll all be perfect. We don't know a lot of the answers yet. So this is our starting point for asking some of the questions. And what I'm going to cover today are the issues and the research so far in, in body image. Um, and we also have two new papers um, that are leading on from this that are just under review at the moment. So unfortunately, I'm not able to share those results with you. But maybe, hopefully, when they've been accepted, um, we can uh, share those results with you as well. And in fact, my the lead author on these papers, uh, Sophia Farino, has just emailed me this morning and said some of our work has been accepted. Um, for the Equine Science Symposium um, academic conference in America. So uh, that will be going on this summer. So that's really exciting Um, to have found that out. It was a real coincidence. So hopefully I can take you on a little trip through body image. And I'd just like to say now that if anything I talk about today is triggering for anybody or they're struggling with their own body image, then there's plenty of um, help available out there um, through uh, charities uh, that focus on our own body image and helping us with that. So please, if, if this is making you feel uncomfortable at any point, then please do go and and seek that help. And I'm at the age now in my mid-50s where I'm kind of not, I'm so over what my body looks like. Um, I'm just impressed I can still do all the things that I want it to do. So maybe I have a different uh, outlook than some people. So please do if it makes you feel uncomfortable um go in and seek help um so what do what what might those issues be in in equestrianism well we know that a large proportion of the equestrian population are female and we know it's quite a a, a long lived sport it's an activity we can do for a long time within our within our life Um, And we know that in other female sports, body image has been um, investigated in a range of sports. A a lot of them, the aesthetic sports, such as um, gymnastics or diving, for example, or figure skating, where you're you're being subjectively judged. And we know that that female body image hasn't really been um, investigated within equestrianism up until uh, recently. But yet we have a really high proportion of those female participants. Who sometimes are doing a sport where they are subjectively judged and this um may well be be um proving an issue for women out there in equestrianism but we just don't know the the answer to that and there is a possibility that um uh, horse riding and riding is so empowering and such an inclusive society that actually there there isn't an issue and and so therefore it's not worth investigating or it could be that that our own um, image of our, ourselves is just not talked about. We're pr- quite stoical as a population and and pretty good often about talking about the needs and wants and worries we have for our horse, but we're not very good at um, at discussing our own needs and wants. We tend to put ourselves onto the back burner. And indeed, I've done some work with one of my colleagues uh, at Heartbreak, Emma Davis, um, who's um, uh investigating uh people in, who work in the horse industries interaction with with injury and how they they treat themselves after it and there's a huge difference between how we treat ourselves after we get injured and how we actually treat our our horses for example who get the best of care whereas we're limping around so there's a possibility that there is an issue out here but we, we're just not talking about it at the moment so that's something for us to to think about so I'm going to throw through it back at you. And I know this isn't an interactive webinar, but I'd like to encourage you all to make you think about why uh, body image might be uh, an issue. Well, one of the things I think we have to uh, highlight, and we see it in our classrooms all the time at university and we see it at competitions, is that is that we do pretty much have a, a high proportion of female participants in, um, in equestrianism certainly until you get to the uh, elite levels. And we also quite often are putting ourselves forward to be subjectively judged. So that's either in dressage or in the dressage phase of eventing, or it could be in showing, for example. But also we do tend to uh, subjectively judge each other, don't we, you know? So there is a possibility that we have um, uh, that that we're being we feel we're being subjectively judged not just when we're in the competition uh, arena, and as we said that the Sport England Active Lives uh, Adult Survey in 2020, which is about the most recent data we've got about um, activity levels in in um, the population, reported that 88% of horse riders are are women, and that's quite a a, a high percentage, and yet we haven't got that much rider performance research uh, around. And in other sports, um, non-equestrian sports, there's a big push for more female-based research, sports science research, and we have the the perfect population to be able to to do that with. Um, So here are some, hopefully you've thought a little bit about why maybe um, body image might be an, uh, an issue within equestrianism. But I, I thought it would be worth maybe me pointing out some things that, that made us decide that this was an area that was worth researching. So we do know that in other sports that female athletes have lower levels of positive um, body image perception than male athletes. <clears throat> and we know that, um, that 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 kind of difference may well be being seen in equestrianism, or at least we can suggest it, it might do, but we don't know for sure. But we do know in non-equestrian sports that body image in, in females um, differs between different sports types um, and with the rise of, of the professionalism of women's sports, such as um, football and rugby, for example, and we see that maybe the the ideal body image is changing um, uh, within females perception of themselves and actually more diverse body types are being thought of as ideal or athletic based on on those different sports. We know that um, uh, participants in those um, sports that are what we would call aesthetically focused sports so those where where movement um, is, is judged, so diving, figure skating, um, gymnastics, uh, we know that leanness tends to be um, a, a trait that is, is uh thought of as as pleasing in those sports. And we know that those particular athletes in those sports, they tend to have more what we call body image disturbances than um than those athletes in. Uh, sports that where you're not subjectively judged so again there could even be some body image differences between the different disciplines in equestrianism and we certainly know that um, when colleagues looked at uh, the the different um, types of people who chose the different equestrian disciplines from a personality point of view they saw some differences and that that was work um by Wolfram et al and that was really interesting to look at the psychological makeup of different uh, disciplines. But we may well see that that different disciplines think about their own um, body image and what is considered ideal differently. Uh, we do know that uh, equestrian athletes from some work that Monsma did in 2013, that equestrian athletes uh, perceive themselves as larger. So that's their body image compared to their body size or body shape. And throughout this, I'll refer to body image as BI. That's what you think of your, yourself. That's your perception. Whereas body size or shape is actually the the, the size that you are. So in this work by um, Monsma et al., they, they uh, found that equestrian athletes that they uh, questioned perceived themselves to be larger than they actually were, but desired to be of a much smaller physique. So, so that suggests that perhaps there's something going on there. And also, we know that some uh, work done by Taurus McGee, um, way back in 2011, uh, they found that there was pressures on female equas- equestrian athletes to be thin. Um, and this was as part of a larger study and that could uh, lead female equestrian athletes to have um, to, in their study to take drastic weight control methods and at this point i would like to to just um pause for a moment and acknowledge that we have different requirements from a, a body size shape image weight control um point of view between racing and the rest of the equestrian industry and from that for that reason uh, one of the things we might need to do is look at racing separately than the rest of the, the equestrian disciplines, because they have the handicap system, for example, um, and being weighed on a regular basis, kind of once a week, is a, um, is a norm in a lot of racing yards, which we maybe wouldn't see in other equestrian disciplines. So they may well be a different kettle of fish. And also, we, no- we need to think, well, that was us thinking, well, maybe it does have an effect. But actually... Um we maybe want to um consider why it um why it might have an effect. Um, and rider behavior we know and, and the rider cues influence horse behavior. So if we're not feeling confident in ourselves when we go into the arena, there is a possibility that we're not riding our horse effectively. And and I'm obsessed with rider performance, that's my real area of interest. But fundamentally, that rider performance is to make ourselves a better load for the horse to carry, because basically it's all about um, ensuring our horse's welfare. So Christensen um, found that 10 different riders had a significant impact on 10 different horses when they they all rode those different horses. And the rider had a significant impact on a a number of factors. We also know that rider skills and how we hold ourselves and how we put our aids on actually will have an impact on um, what we end up seeing of the quality of those movements. And also, um, it's suggested that it'd be a really good idea for us to have an ethogram that incorporates some rider performance variables in there, because we know that the horse is the number one um, uh, limiting factor, performance limiting factor factor. But if we can then ride them as well as we possibly can, not only are we making that uh, their performance better, but also theoretically their welfare because we're not giving them inadvertent cues, we're um, not holding ourselves like a clothes peg because we're feeling self-conscious, at which point we're not able to communicate with the horse effectively. So that's one of the things why I think body image might have an effect on, on riding and also why it might have an impact long term in in participation within the sport and so um with all those things in place and we were really interested in body image why it might have an impact we decided to apply for a little lecturer bursary which is provided by the british horse foundation and we weren't sure we would get that for um uh for kind of rider performance research but interestingly enough, the British Horse Foundation is uh, particularly interested in breeding horses um, and the breeding industry. And one of the things they wanted to know was there actually anything that they could be going to the breeding industry and advising them on what type of horses they should be um uh they should be breeding for the for the industry? And is that um is that going to be impacted by Um, body image issues and also body size and shape uh, issues of the current riding population. So this work was done uh, with my colleagues uh, Sophia Farino, Natalie Stones and Marianne Freeman. Uh, So that's between us at Heartbreak and uh, University Centre at Sporchall. And that was a really interesting um, project that, that Sophia has done throughout her undergraduate uh, degree and then taken it on to her master's uh, degree as well, and completed that last year. So there's hopefully lots more to come in this area. So, what were the objectives of this study? Well, and um, my job as a as a dissertation supervisor often with students is is to bring them back in. Um, often students want to go and and change the world. And they want to investigate absolutely everything. And the, pro- the initial project that Sophia had planned probably was more like an eight year postdoctoral study, uh, which would have taken a long time to gather all the data. So we had to pair it back and thought, right, what are we going to do that is going to actually be able to t- answer us some pretty basic questions that we don't know about yet? So um, the objectives ended up being to identify if there's what are the self-perceptions of body image and body size and shape in female equestrians? Is there um, anything that we can identify as an issue or a problem? Um, is there any um a dichotomy between what they think they are and, and what they say they are or what they see as the ideal equestrian body image? And then we wanted to look at is there actually um and you know, do people do riders think that judges and coaches are judging them on their body size and shape? So, from a body image point of view, do riders feel that judges and coaches have that bias? And so, remember, that's just perception. Not nope, it's not actually measuring judge or coach bias towards different sizes and shapes. And then we wanted to look at if there was a, a relationship between that your own body image as a female equestrian and how you then uh, how self-conscious you were when you were riding we were going to ask lots of questions about um, self-confidence as well um, but actually those are not the same thing so we decided to stick with with how self-conscious people feel when they're riding and then just because I'm particularly interested and as a research group we're particularly interested in breast support uh, breast size breast shape and how that impacts you as a as a rider uh, we decided that we would just ask the question about um uh, breast size um because in some of our previous research we found that the um distribution of cup size um in the female equestrian population was much more and um, wide than it was say in the female running population suggesting perhaps that the body morphology, the body makeup of female riders is different to to that seen in other sports. So those were our objectives. And this is a a brief summary of our our, um, methodology. I'll talk about it in more detail in a minute. So um, I I know that a lot of you will end up being bombarded with survey after survey after survey at the moment. And it can be really difficult to find time to do uh, all these online surveys. But the one thing that's really important about surveys is actually we need to be able to describe what is going on in the industry before we can make any changes. So for all of you who have um, completed undergraduate, postgraduate surveys, thank you so much for doing it, because it makes such a difference to have these data and getting the equestrian world involved in research and actually Maybe highlighting to us what is the research that the industry feels need doing is really, really important. So thank you for anybody who's done that. We shared um the survey on social media. Obviously, there's a limitation with that because it's not going to be just um uh, it's going to be people that are just active on social media that will will um grab hold of it and do the survey. And we asked for it to be completed by female equestrians. And we did ask them about what discipline they, they competed in, whether they were um, racing or non-racing effectively. And that was as far as our analysis went. I do have a student this year who's looking at it, drilling down more into those individual disciplines. And then we got an absolute heap of data out of, out of that. And we used a range of different statistical tests to analyse it. But fundamentally, looking at this validated body image scale that has been used in other research, other body image research, we asked um, riders to place themselves on this scale. Where do you think you sit on this scale from a body size and body shape? How do you see your body? And then we also asked them to tell us what they thought the, the ideal body size and shape was for an equestrian. So that was the crux of, of what we were asking. <clears throat> there are a few problems with this scale though. I don't know that many people who ride in, in a swimsuit. However, it's important to try and use um, scales that are already validated um, in other research so that you know that you can compare your work to other research. But there's maybe um an argument that perhaps a similar scale in riding clothes might be worth making for our future research so in a little bit more detail uh, what did we actually um, do well it was a four part 27 question online survey on google forms and and i know that can seem like a lot of questions when you're the one filling in that that survey but they're all really important for for us to be able to analyze those those data So we had multiple choice to try and make it easy for people to fill in we had grids as well because it means it feels like you're only doing one question rather than multiple questions we also um, had Likert scales in there which were um uh, graded from one to five so that we could look at the intensity of the feeling then but we also then had open free text format Um, and can i just put a plea as a qualitative researcher that those free text answers in any survey are so interesting because that's where we get the really rich data from. So, yes, it's great to have the numbers, how many people think this, how many people think that, how many people think the next thing. But actually having people that will spend time putting in a few sentences into that free text format of a question actually allows um us to know about people's own experiences. And we actually don't just find out what is happening. We have more of a chance of finding out why that is happening. So again, thank you for that. So we asked about participants' demographics, which included um, uh, what sports they did um, uh, kind of things like physical uh, characteristics, age, for example. Uh, And then part two asks about what equestrian activities they undertook how often they rode and also ask them about how confident they felt whilst riding and that probably looking back you can always look back on a a survey and criticize it we probably shouldn't have um mixed up the idea of self-consciousness and self-confidence but that's for us to go back and change the next time we do this type of research uh, part three was actually what is the per- per- perception of the individual on on what is the ideal female equestrian body uh, shape and then ask them about their own self-perception of their own body image but remember many um uh, uh, riders in Monsmith's survey for example uh, actually put themselves higher up the scale than they actually were so we're only interested in perception here we can't give a a an overview of what actual size and shape riders are here. We can only actually see what what people feel they are. And then we also asked them about these levels of self-consciousness whilst riding uh, both at home and at competition. And then finally, um, uh, for part four and free text, we asked about what What impact they thought their own body shape had on their riding ability and also asked about did they think that their coach or spectators or judges had a different view of of their own self-selected body image and those free text um questions were worded to allow um uh, the participants if they had felt that they couldn't tell their story or there was something that had been missed out we allowed them uh, free reign basically to fill in uh, what they thought about about their own body image, body size, and shape. And that was analysed um, using something called content analysis, where we try and identify themes that we think might um, arise from, from those data. So that was a, a lot of data. And for anybody who did fill that um, in, thank you so much for that. So when we look at our, our respondents, um, we actually found that um, overwhelmingly, the body image uh, that was chosen uh, or about body size and shape that was chosen as being the ideal equestrian was was b so that was the second from the bottom and the vast majority of respondents put that ideal uh, equestrian body size and shape in the smallest three body sizes so that was a b and c with very few people um, going uh, to D and E, and indeed the largest that anybody um, uh, ticked in there was E. So that's the very smallest side of that um, of that scale. And that's interesting in itself <clears throat> in that that shows a significant um, uh, preference in people's ideals for those smaller uh, body sizes or smaller frames, I suppose you could call it. And that one was the the one that was the most um, uh, preferred, that B um, uh, shape, which is is actually quite slender, and um, when you compare it um, with what the average uh, size and shape of our of our population is, we also asked them uh, asked our respondents, did we um, think that? Uh, judges favour these smaller body uh, images and, and and sizes, and and a significant amount of our respondents agreed to that. We also uh, decided we we hadn't asked whether people were um were uh, satisfied with their own body image. Uh, or, or their own body size and shape, or where they had put themselves and and that was definitely a limitation of the the research, but also there's some ethical issues about asking people what they think. So we decided that that if you had put yourself um at least two um points on this scale above where you had said the ideal uh, equestrian body image was, we suggested that meant that you may be dissatisfied with your body size and and shape. That's a big leap and that might not be the case. So that has to be taken with a a pinch of salt. And we decided that we would then do further analysis, looking if there was any difference between the responses of the people who were closer to what they had perceived as the ideal equestrian body size and shape and where they put themselves again a limitation but sometimes you have to do what you have to do um and we also um uh when we looked at that if if we put those people who were um much greater uh their own body image was much greater than what they put as ideal that's in um dark purple there and in light purple we put those that were close to that to that to their ideal body image in what they said their own body image was. Um, and you can see there that there was um, uh, significantly more of those that were closer to the ideal bod- body image that said that they, they weren't self-conscious when they rode, whereas many more of those that were um, that were what we ca- ca- um, categorised as being further away from that ideal body image, they felt more self-conscious when they were riding. But of course, that might well be um, uh, to do with other factors and may not just be to do with um, with body image. Interestingly enough, there was hardly anybody who, uh, I think there's maybe only one or two uh, respondents who perceived themselves to be two or more categories smaller um, uh, than than what they perceived the ideal to be. And that was only 2% of of respondents overall. And um, So there was some really interesting um, findings that came from that, but again, with, with some limitations. Because I'm interested in breast health and breast size and breast biomechanics, we did ask about um, uh, breast size and, and looked at the impact that might have on self-consciousness when riding because we know that excessive breast movement can have an impact on, on self-consciousness. Uh, when riding and we saw that those that were categorised as small, so uh, small is uh, a cup size D and and under and um, uh, large is a cup size double D and and over for this particular research that we did and we saw that um, a lot of those uh, riders who were in that larger category did feel either extremely or moderately self-conscious when they were riding, whereas those that were small-breasted, more of them uh, didn't feel self-conscious at all.
0: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
2: Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, We did have um, some data that
1: came from uh, colleagues in the thoroughbred industry and we did um analyze those as well, but did end up taking them out because there was not that many respondents from from the um thoroughbred industry. But they um pretty much their ideal uh, body size and shape um for the thoroughbred industry, so that's in racing, was a whole um step a whole grade lower than it was in the rest of the the equestrian industry. So that in itself maybe uh, requires further investigation for sure. So once we'd find out all these things, um, I guess we maybe agree with what Monsma suggested, that um, most riders think that their body image is is, is not or does not match with what they think is the ideal equestrian body size and, and shape. We probably um, need to do more work looking at actual um, body morphology rather than just size and shape. So, short torso, long legs, etc., arm length. But again, that's for for another study. Um, we did show that um, that body um, image did seem to have an impact on self um, co- uh, consciousness when when riding, and may well then have an impact on confidence when riding and and we know from previous research uh from uh wilfram and mickle ride that that um uh, your own confidence can have a an impact on how you ride and can result in tension when riding we did um uh find that riders thought that judges were biased on um based on body size and shape and that their scores would be impacted by that but i'd just like to add at this point that 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 is just the rider's perception. We didn't, in this paper, measure any judge bias. We have gone on um, and measured uh, judge bias and coach bias um, and, and what their thoughts are on body size and shape for the ideal rider. And those papers are under review uh, as we speak now. So t- uh, touch wood, they're going to be out reasonably soon. Um, We did find that uh, breast size, um did seem to have an impact on self consciousness and then possibly self confidence when when riding and that kind of matches up to some of the work that's already been done in in some survey research about breast size and breast issues um we did find uh, that there was when we when we decided that riders were further away from that body image that perfect equestrian body size or shape that they had identified some of our questions that that we asked them actually it's not about weight it's often about your uh, proportionality of, of your body so so the ratio between your torso and leg length for example or how you sit in the saddle and that's a really interesting area to go forward and we did actually look at some um, data that are not as yet published about different parts of the body that the riders were dissatisfied with, and um, and also we did find that that when we questioned the the riders or the participants that that responded that they perceived that large breasts um, in female riders are are detrimental to to judge and coach. Uh, bias but again i have to highlight that that is just their perception that's not what judges and coaches actually said because we didn't ask them in in this particular uh, project we asked um riders what they felt and that's one of the things we have to highlight is it doesn't off, it doesn't always matter what the, what is actually happening i e whether judges or coaches are biased what's going to impact your relationship and your interaction with your horse in that competitive environment is what you perceive other people are thinking so sometimes those perceptions are, are really important for us to gauge be they correct or incorrect so if we kind of wrap everything all up um uh from this particular paper we knew we got some links between body image and self-consciousness that you could link to self-confidence we um did find that that riders felt that judges had a perception and that coaches had a definite perception of of what the ideal rider should be and perhaps if you didn't fit into being that ideal rider body size and body shape or at least thought you didn't then um you're maybe going into the arena thinking that you were being prejudged we also did find um an impact of breast size and, and shape on that And I guess the take home message from from the the study as as a whole and from the area as a whole is that we need to do more research. We need to um, uh, take forward this idea that maybe body image, our own self-perceived body image, breast size and and self-confidence, self-consciousness appear to be linked and that we really need to, to do a little bit more research. But it's not just about body image and body size and and body shape. We don't really know what the average rider looks like. And we certainly don't know what the population looks like, which would be a really interesting study to do in future. And we're also looking at lots of other um, problems that are particular to the female equestrian. We are um investigating um, the impact of menstruation uh, alongside our colleagues at, at University Centre Sport Show. Um, uh, we are investigating menopause and what impact that might have on female riders and that's with our colleagues at the University of Edinburgh, um, <clears throat> so we have a, a master's student doing uh, that project at the moment. And we're also um, hoping in future, I know this whole webinar series is about about female equestrians and I fully support that. And in fact, we're part of something known as the Female Equestrian Health and Wellbeing Network. Um, So uh, look out for for posts from from us about all things female equestrian uh, from around the world, but also that unlike in other sports, male equestrians are really under-researched. Um, and most of our work tends to be with female equestrians because that's who we get as participants. So we have some students um, this year, some undergraduate students who are investigating some of these similar issues in male equestrians as well. So if you have um, any uh, male rider friends or or your coach or you're involved with male equestrians, then please do encourage them to get involved in the research because um, we're opposite to most other sports where female uh, athletes get the most research attention and male athletes are kind of left uh, on on the fringes so please encourage them to get involved in that. So it just leaves me to ask Gillian now if she has any questions for me that she'd like to ask.
3: Oh brilliant Lorna it is interesting it's there's so much isn't there that I could um sort of put on myself with what you said you know I was looking at that scale of those uh women in swimsuits <laughs> <laughs> well where am I and actually what do I think I am when I'm on my horse compared with you know standing in front of the mirror is something else as well oh dear okay well, I think one of the things that one of this one of my students
1: brought up just last weekend when when I was talking about this uh, one of the things they said was that the trouble with that scale from an equestrian point of view is actually if you look at there's no difference in those those body ratios from height and torso height and leg length and those are very different between riders so actually because they're all the same height and they're all pretty much in proportion other than the, the um, um the, their size around the middle effectively uh, maybe that's not representative of what we should be investigating in, in in riders. I do I do love it when the students get really critical of what, what you've done when you present your own research. I'm like, oh, yeah, writing that one down. You're absolutely right. That's for the next study.
3: <laughs> well, also, where do we look at riders? When we look at them from the front, the horse's head's in the way. Exactly. We look at all exactly. our photographs from the size, side. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about my thighs and the size from the side. Yeah, and yeah the- we exactly. We don't often see you in that in that position from the front
1: because like you say, the horse's head is in the way, and yeah. we're more likely to be looking at each other from the side or from the back
3: mm, yeah and your waist and things and actually from a body image personally I found a huge change when I actually upgraded the um, dressage style of coat that I was wearing mm. and you know it was like a, an immediate like a Oh, this is showing my age. Trini and Susanna, you know, yeah. <laughs> change your clothes and then you feel different. And that was something. But well, that's
1: one of the areas that my colleague Natalie Stones at, at, at Sparso has done quite a bit of work on. And her MRES was actually looking at uh, differences in position of riders and self confidence and self consciousness between their everyday riding clothes and their competition clothing.
2: Mm-hmm. And it
1: was really interesting because the lower level riders um, tended to to feel less confident in their competition clothing, whereas the the more elite riders kind of grew into their competition clothing and felt more more confident. And I know that my colleague Emma Davis has also done some work on um, quality of of the clothing. So um, dressing somebody up in in, um, a lot of money's worth of tailcoat and dressage yeah. And then not a lot of money's worth of of, yeah. of dressage coat. Cool. So yeah, it is. A, it's a really interesting area, and the fact that we 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 must be the only Olympic sport that still competes in pure newel baratheia. I mean, for goodness' sake, they're not exact. It's not exactly sporting attire, is it?
3: No, no. And you think about the like the old hacking jackets and things. They were literally like a sack, weren't they? Yeah. And then you look at the actually some of the modern ones and the fabrics and the designs and things. They yeah. It, you you do see a difference and feel a difference yeah. in them. Definitely. Um, I've got a question that I don't know whether you can answer or you have thoroughly answered, and so I'd like you to clarify. But why is there an ideal? What, what do you think people are choosing that ideal on? Is it looks or is it like being a good rider or effectiveness or is there a difference between those body sizes and the ideal rider well so the the answer
1: is yeah we don't know um you know (laughs) unfortunately that's 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 um most of the the answers to the research because you need a body of research pardon the pun before you can make those kind of decisions this is just really only a, a starting point and i think i think one of the areas that we need to go forward is actually looking at body size and shape on horses in a a riding position because that's where you're that's where you're effectively judged isn't it mm. you're not you're not ju- you don't stand next to your horse and get yourself judged before you get on it so so i think we need to adapt some of these um scales that that have been used in other sports mm. and actually um adapt them for equestrianism and whether that then is i, I know that sophia um Farino has done some work comparing or has done a, um, uh, some work with still photographs of riders on horses of different sizes and shapes. And then she's also done some work with some videos mm. of, of riders on um, an equine simulator. So you're taking the horse out of it and just looking at the rider. And those, um, as I say, those papers are under review at the moment. So hopefully watch this space. They'll come out soon and and that will be quite interesting to look at that um, Do we see anything different when you actually put people in riding clothing and put them on a horse?
3: Mm, Yeah, it's interesting because actually uh, there's an argument as well, and you know I know we haven't mentioned weight explicitly, but the argument being that you can be an effective rider, you know, at a different size, whether you know you're a light or not, or whether the actual the physics of the mass on the horse is important. But yeah, so that. I mean that we don't know, Gillian, You know, yeah. you know, we we hypothesise a
1: lot about skill levels and balance and what impact that has on 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 how the horse is carrying the rider, etc. But I'm going to pinch a, um, a Davidism, um, from meetling I was in with him, so I'm going to cite him, Marlon um, twenty, twenty two, I think it was. When actually, what, somebody asked a question: What is the ideal weight for the horse to carry? Yeah. I never do saying Twenty percent, fifteen percent, etc. And David said, "No, actually, it's zero, isn't it?" <laughs> be, be, because it is, isn't it? You know, yeah. theoretically, from an yeah. evolutionary point of view, yeah. the yeah. ideal is, is is zero. So oh, brilliant. Uh, and uh, that put everybody's gas at a peep at that point. But yeah. you know, and um, but but he's, he's right. And I guess we have to. Uh, you know, I'm all for trying to make ourselves and the easiest load that we can to 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 mm. carry for the horse because we are a load you know and and no horses out there you know out in the field eating grass compiling a file for the rspca saying that they didn't think they've reached their potential because they thought they could be a badminton contender and my rider isn't riding me enough or whatever you know yeah. so we have a you know we have a duty i guess well we are exploiting the horse because we are and that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing but we have a duty to try and do that in as good a state of welfare yeah. as we can, because there's always a compromise, you yes. know, and it's not about about, you know, encouraging people who have a higher weight to not ride. It's maybe that's not the case at all. It's about making sure that we're all making good decisions about how to be suitably mounted but also that when we are riding that you know that that we celebrate we're in a position to celebrate everybody of every size and shape riding but doing that in a suitable manner and you know years ago when I first started running the one thing I wish I'd known is that every time any runner drives past you in the car regardless of what size or shape you are they go well done for getting mm. out there, you know, that go yes. on and they're jealous that they're not running. Mm. I don't know that we could say that about horse riders. Mm. I don't know that we're that as supportive of each other and mm. our activities mm. as as that community is. And uh, I would like to think that we're doing a little bit to 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 actually support everybody who's out there doing the activity we love um, in as welfare friendly way to them and their horses
3: yeah oh, that's brilliant uh, you're right about runners you know when you is it, it is it because it's competitive is it because there's somebody else involved like the horse I, I mean I don't think you can you probably know the answer to that but it, it is different isn't it
1: yeah it is and I wish I'd known that
3: you know I wish I'd known that as I was trussed up
1: in my little bit of lycra feeling like a black pudding out running in the dark so I don't want anybody to see it and actually I wish I'd known how much other runners celebrate everybody who runs yeah. no matter how slow you are no matter how yeah. oddly shaped you are no matter how much of a limp you've got whatever they celebrate <laughs> everybody but because I guess we've got the horse and the horse's welfare yeah in that equation I don't think we celebrate each other as 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 much as as we should
3: mm. in my job as a physio I obviously advocate for the horse because if I find a horse that has something that I think is resolvable, then I'm going to say. And one of the things that I do say is about this rider mismatch between the horse and the rider. And you mentioned it very clearly in your presentation. You said it's not always about the weight. It's about the body proportions. And as a a point to raise, I'd like to um, say to people the consideration with children growing out of their ponies and especially going through the teenage phase because they go in all different directions, don't they? When they grow um, at being an, I was going to say an owner of a teenager, a mother of a teenager, (laughs) you know, we're going through that that phase. And it is something that I highlight to parents that it isn't about the weight. It's usually the length of the femur, which in a small little saddle then shoves the kid's bum to the back of the saddle to a relatively weaker area of the horse's back. And therefore you get consequences. You know, the horse is going to um, you know change uh, the way they're moving because of it. And then, you know, we get sequali because of that. Um, But yeah. Tell me about then this, this, you mentioned and you teased us a little bit about this idea of looking into rider proportions and how you'd want to study that a little bit more.
1: Well, um, uh, colleagues in, in Australia, uh, Professor Haley Randall, to be exact, and one of our students whose name evades me at the moment, so I hope she'll forgive me, did a really interesting study a couple of years ago where they actually went out and measured a range of different Riders and to see how they fitted into um uh, the Vitruvian Man, you know Leonardo da Vinci's kind yes. of perfect um uh, proportions of of the human body, and the answer was n- not right. Well, basically, <laughs> um, but but we don't know as as a population of riders, we we don't know our body morphology. Uh, you know, it's not very well described, and we know there's all different sizes and shapes of of, of riders. And for me, I think one of the things I'd really like to know is here's the thing, what do we look like as, as a as a population? Because we found some stuff in our, our breast health research, for example, where um definitely the the spread of, of bra sizes are very different in, in a riding female riding population than there would be in a um a female running population. Um for example, we and and I think it'd be really interesting to actually try and get the industry, all of those lovely horse owners out there, actually to just report back to us, almost like a big citizen science project, to actually give us a picture of, of what is going on out there. And certainly I know that the British Horse Foundation, that was one of their aims for being interested in, in, in rider body size, body shape, body image, was that they were interested in being able to advise the breeding industry to be able to breed appropriate horses mm-hmm. for the market, and mm-hmm. that's the idea, isn't it? It's not about saying you're super tall so you can't ride. It's you're super tall, so actually you need to make sure that you're that there's a horse available for you that is this size and shape and can carry your weight effectively. And I know some of our colleagues at um, at Heartbreak are also looking into uh, the impact of things like um, Um, saddles on that from a body size and shape point of view so I think there's lots of work being done but until we know what the population who's riding actually looks like now Mm -hmm. um, and what size and shape they are then the breeding industry it's almost like trying to produce a product but you don't know
3: what your marketplace is. If we think about how the population has changed you know our Door frames have got taller, haven't they, than we used to. Our clothing sizes for the average have changed. Things have evolved with everything else. And, yeah, we could – that's amazing. We could selectively breed for – a sport horse, you know, a recreational yeah. horse that meets the modern rider. Yes, yeah, and I think that's um, I think
1: that's the, that's the key, isn't it? Is that we have changed as an, in size and shape, uh, mm-hmm. mainly because you know we don't tend to get rickets as a child anymore, or you know TB or whatever So Absolutely. yeah, you know that's, healthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and, and and that's a good thing. But there is this change, and I certainly I can remember it used to not be a. It used to be something you could talk about. Um, so in the olden days, show hunters would be measured under the knee, the the circumference of their uh, and tendon, and they would be classified as either having 10 inches of bone, 12, 14, mm. and that would dictate the amount of weight that they were able to carry. Now, I'm not sure that that was in any way, shape or form a scientific method of doing that, but at least they were thinking about the suitability of that horse, and giving some um, uh, acknowledgement to the fact that it that the rider should be suitably mounted on on the right type of horse, and that conversation has has kind of disappeared and and isn't around anymore. And people were quite comfortable with saying, "No, no, I need a heavyweight hunter, or I need a I'm a middleweight, or whatever," and that comfort has kind of gone, and it's a really difficult um uh subject to raising, you have to be really careful because, you know, you don't want to be talking to teenage girls about, you know, we well, can't ride a pony because you're too big, because you could ruin their relationship with food for the rest of their life. So it's it's and that's not my area of of expertise, you know, kind of nutrition and psychology, etc., from that point of view. So th- you have to be careful on how you you address this. And and there is the one welfare issue. That we need to be pushing as an equestrian industry is that it is the the welfare of the horse, but it's also the welfare of the riders and their psychological safety and 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 health and and participation levels, et cetera. And it's also the welfare and sustainability of what we do as equestrians. So I think we're not always very good at thinking about that one welfare. We're pretty good at thinking about the horse. We're not always very good at, at thinking about the welfare of the humans around us.
3: Mm, that's really interesting. So, thinking about that, then you talk about teenagers and you introduce yourself as being over the stage of worrying about. <laughs> oh, anyway. Yeah, I not I I'm not quite there yet. Oh, I, I wish I was. Um, do you know anything about age and perception of body image in relation to and, riders? Uh, so so not in not in relation to riders we we didn't
1: analyze we didn't have enough respondents in each of our different age groups to do anything that was statistically significant with with mm. that um but i guess one of the things that that has come from actually talking about this research is that the older people get i think the more or the older female equestrians get the more accepting they are about where, where, you know, the more accurate their own body image is with their own body size and shape, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that they're not right bothered about it, Mm -hmm. you know? And when we did a lot of our breast health stuff, always say the one thing that always fascinated me was, you know, when we do our breast biomechanics on the, the mechanical horse, riders have got nothing on for some of it. And I've just markered them up, basically, all over their breasts and their nipples, etc. I'd let them do those ones themselves. But they've done that and they're sat on the horse with cameras all around them. And 99.9% of people at that point say, oh, don't look at my belly. Mm. But, <laughs> <having> your boobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They would kind of almost, that's okay. But, yeah. but, and I don't know anybody who in a pair of breeches with nothing else on, sitting on a mechanical horse, isn't going to have a bit of overhang you know Mm. not be very well I think to to not have that so but the older those writers are the less worried they are about it
3: yeah (laughs) so
1: but it's a really interesting area uh, of research but it is also one that you have to be very careful in and I just want to reiterate we are it's not about weight this particular um, area of research is about what riders think of themselves and what Mm -hmm. impact that might have on on how they are riding and how confident and self-conscious they might feel when they're riding because that's going to adversely affect the horse as well Mm -hmm. we're not in a research group where at the moment we're looking at measuring pressure or anything like that we're actually looking at how how what you think of yourself, regardless of whether that's right or wrong, might have an impact on your riding
3: mm. and okay. therefore
1: the welfare of the horse.
3: Yeah. yeah, And, and, and again, very um, you know subjective research study that I have on my daughter. You know, I want her to grow up feeling fit and capable and effective as a rider. And to do that, she will need to be strong and fit and have, you know, she'll need muscles which will mean that she's not going to look lean like, you know, a ballerina or anything like that, but she'll be a better rider for it. So yeah. again, that's, quite, weight is irrelevant at that point, isn't it? It's quite interesting that you talk about
1: ballerinas there because one of the, um, th- there was an article a few years ago, because it was a big upsurge in research surrounding rider fitness And actually, I was trying to to become fitter as riders and spending time in off-horse exercise. Mm. Maybe about five or six years ago, there was a big upsurge in in that research. And then there was an article, it might have been in Horse and Hound, where a coach basically was, was, was making a really interesting argument that actually, but it's not about strength and conditioning as a rider. It's about feel and softness and you can't be strong and soft at the same time. However, when you look at, you know, my argument back to that would be when you look at a ballerina, there is nobody stronger than a than a ballerina, and yet they are elegant and soft and mm-hmm. and, are, and the argument, I suppose, is the stronger you are, it could does that mean you're able to be better balanced, so therefore softer when you ride? I I don't know. These are all things that we mm-hmm. don't know, and we need to find answers to. And and certainly every year when when, when we sit in the oral exams for our rider performance module, mm-hmm. and, and one of the parts in that, the students have to suggest further areas of research. And like we have got a, a lifetime's worth of research to do because we don't know that much about, about the rider, not compared to other sports. You know, with other sports, you can um, measure body proportions. You can do a muscle fiber test. You can look at arm length and how much power the muscles can can generate and then go yes you're you'd make a good rower for example mm. or <laughs> you're going to be a great basketball player or oh sprinter or long distance runner you know that knowledge is there in sports science but actually if you were to try and put your finger on what make what are the performance predictors for a rider which you know it, it's it's a really difficult one mm. for us to actually come out with and also each discipline's probably going to be different isn't it gone are the days where people did you know went around badminton on their horse on you know in in the may and then won the horsey year show working hunter in the october you know th- that did used to happen but not anymore horses and disciplines have and riders have probably
3: separated in their expertise and their physical needs and demands Mm, there's so many questions. I I've got so many things now that <laughs> basically Lorna, you've got to promise to come back and keep us updated and let us know, you know, when you've got more stuff that you can share because you did Absolutely. teach us a little yes. bit about menstruation well, and
1: menopause. I, 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 I'm really sorry about that, but you know, just so that your audience is aware is that if you have scientific results and they go out publicly before they're published in a peer-reviewed journal, very often, the peer reviewed journal will then not publish your results. You know, so I'm not trying to be, um, um, not trying to be secretive or anything I just do poor Sophia has worked really hard to do all this research and worked really hard to write all this research up and led all of those write-ups herself which is brilliant so I certainly I certainly don't want to be scuppering it but going oh and here's let me tell you a secret you know (laughs) I I wouldn't be very I wouldn't be very popular then I can tell you no
3: no you've just you've just left us on a cliffhanger (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well there's there's lots to talk about and the one thing i would say is that you know for for everybody in in this community i know sometimes it gets a bit boring to do survey after survey after survey but those those are often the initial research that we need to do before we can go and actually measure things in person so they're really really important to do and really appreciate everybody who takes the time to do it
3: yeah no I echo that and it's it's our way into also getting funding isn't it to be able to conduct these you know more in-depth studies that do yeah. take resource and time and people and exactly. expertise so yes please keep filling those in
0: Absolutely.
3: Well, I think then that just leaves me to so say thank you ever so much and you're welcome yeah it's
1: start it, the week thank you
3: Yeah. And what would um, say, as we always say on these uh, webinars, if people have got questions then drop them in, you know, send an email into the Dr. David Marlin team and we can forward them on to Lorna um, and also, you know, just chat in the Facebook group about it. And um, yeah, hopefully we can start and carry on some really good discussions. So thank you very much. Thank you very much.
2: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles webinars videos and research all designed to help horse owners riders trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses the drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians a source of unbiased science-based research to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion follow us on facebook Instagram or Twitter.